We've had an introduction already. I've heard the word kingdom. We sang this morning, They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and tell of thy power. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. That's the triumph. A kingdom that is victorious, that triumphs, that's ruled by the king of kings, whose triumph is unstoppable. And that gives me such confidence in the people group that I work with. His advance is unstoppable, and I don't have to resort to any Mickey Mouse means because his kingdom is unstoppable. That's the triumph of this king. And the turf, so the realm or the turf was quiet. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we're actually saying, combine the kingdom and the turf together. We want to see both of these happening. Rule, reign, dominion. On your handout, you can see the words in Greek, basileia or malkut. The mediatorial kingdom of Christ. Uh, in, fir- in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, we read, Then comes the end when he, that is Christ, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And skipping to 28, that God may be all in all. This is a diagram that comes from Palmer Robertson's Towards a Reformational View of Total Christian Involvement. I don't have that citation on the handout, I'm sorry. It says by John Spann, that's a lie. It was Palmer Robertson who uh, developed it and I modified it a little bit. To get your head around what is the kingdom, we have the eternal kingdom of God ruling the entire universe, planets, galaxies, time, everything. Inside of that eternal kingdom of God, we have the mediatorial kingdom of Christ, that is, Christ is the mediator between God the Father and humans, with the cross at the center. And we have the church here. This is a kingdom of glory that goes out and out. And here is a kingdom of darkness, which is under the eternal reign of God. This kingdom of darkness is not outside of the king, eternal reign of God. It is a, it's constrained. Now, in the church, which Christ has called his people, Bill Nikitis talked about this, the people called out of the world, we have emissaries from, that can touch all areas of life, whether in mission, whether in politics. That's a little bit of my Reformed view of transforming life. We go out as emissaries from the church, and in some way we extend the kingdom of, God, of Christ The battle has already been won. The decisive battle is there. Oscar Kuhlman talks about D-Day and V-Day. My parents lived through that in Holland. 
The decisive battle was won, but they lived under occupation for a while until total victory was there. And that's where we are in this time right now, between D-Day, the decisive battle, and V-Day. And so here, that's what we are seeing this time. And this kingdom is advancing. The kingdom of darkness is dark. Is dark. And a lot of people would like to scrub it up and sanitize it a little bit, but it is dark and evil. And we need to know that. But this kingdom is pushing it back. And at times, this one tries to push back right into the heart of the church and right into mission. There is pushback. And believe me, in a pioneering ministry where we are, we know pushback. Because the devil has owned the Fool Bay people group for all these years. And we feel the pushback. Whether that's in discouragement, whether that's in assaults on our kids, whether that's fear because of the, the next political crisis, we feel the pushback. But we know that the power is there. And we have seen God move in power. I have never been more convinced of the power of the gospel, of the worthiness of Christ, and the fact that he's not getting worship by the Full Bay People Group. He deserves their worship, and that's why I'm there. And he's not getting it from them. And my job is to say, he is worthy. And you must bend the knee or suffer the consequences. That's my job there. It doesn't make me popular. And I do it often looking at the Muslim people that I work with with tears because I see that they are in darkness. And Ephesians says, you were once darkness. It doesn't say you were once in the darkness. You were once darkness darkness you were in the futility of your minds you were chasing after vain things this is scripture kingdom of darkness now actually the picture that we have gets even better we have a consummated kingdom whose values are entering into this present reality and pushing back the kingdom of darkness. We have an eternal power source that nothing can confront. This is in the form of a cube, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 22, the form of a cube, the holy of holy. These values of here, where there is no sin, no injustice, no hunger, no tears, these values are coming down into the church and we can bring those values into this world. That's what Jesus did. He said, no hunger there, I'll show you. I'll, I'll cure the problem of food. No sickness there, I'll show you here on earth. No tears there, I'll show you here. And that's our job. That's an amazing job that we have as ambassadors. But we have this power source that's external to us. Not only do we have power coming down here, but that's where we're aspiring to. And that puts our present sufferings in context. I said to a group of full-baked brothers, brothers and sisters, do you know that you have an inheritance of a place that is made with gold, which is five million kilometers squared? 
just on the surface, made of gold. Do you know that that's your inheritance? And inheritance changes the way you look at life. If I tell you I'm Bill Gates' kid and all the money is mine, you'll probably look at me different. And I'll probably think different. And I said to these Fool Bay Christians who don't have a bicycle, who are often living with in other quarters, I said, do you know the inheritance that you have? This is yours as part of the bride of Christ. And so we don't want to rob people of that inheritance and that focus on that. Then we have this. The kingdom of God. Which kingdom? Is it the mediatorial kingdom? Is it the eternal kingdom? No one really knows. And Christianity is part of the kingdom. Hello? Is this biblical? And Islam intersects with this. Where is this teaching coming from? This is not biblical. I'm sorry. This is sociological wishy-washiness. That is the kingdom circles that is being promoted as the panacea. You'll see that in my articles. The quotes are there in the St. Francis Magazine. The new way to reach people with kingdom circles. It's a crock. This is the biblical view. I'm not saying that because I'm so cocky. Check it out. Be a good Berean. Christ, the cross at the center of our missiology, like it or not. The church as the new redeemed people. The mediatorial kingdom of Christ pushing out in all areas, education, politics, mission. Penetrating. Penetrating. Penetrating the darkness. Here, the kingdom of darkness. And it is dark. Colossians. And you were pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and transplanted into the kingdom of light. Where's that imagery coming from? That is coming from deliverance from Egypt, where God said, because Pharaoh was said to have a strong arm. Because the Egyptians said, Pharaoh has a strong arm. And God says, I'm going to show you deification. Mr. Deification, Mr. Pharaoh, representative of the gods on earth, I'm going to show you who has a, a strong arm. And he sent his emissaries into the, into the court there where they worship these snakes. And his emissaries, the rod ate the snakes, and they said, and he said, I am the sovereign, and there is no discussion. And when does Ra resurrect? In the morning. The sunrise was said to be the resurrection of Ra at the time when it was most strong. When are the people destroyed in the Red Sea? According to the scripture, at daybreak. Brothers and sisters, this whole discussion is about who is sovereign. And Islam would like to tell us that Allah is sovereign. But I'm telling you, the scripture says, the Elohim are Elelim. 
It's a bit of a joke, a rhyme. The Elohim are Elelim. The gods of the nations are less than nothing. Are less than nothings. The Elohim are Elelim. Just remember that. Psalm 96.5. And so God says, I'm going to show who's sovereign. The whole Old Testament is a story of that. Elijah, Baal, who's sovereign? Who's sovereign? Daniel, the idol of the king, who's sovereign? Jesus, who's sovereign? It goes right through. And so these other religions, according to the scripture, are found in the kingdom of darkness. They are found in the kingdom of darkness. Because this, according to scripture, is where we have the ruler of this world. We have the ruler of the prince of this air, according to the scripture. And that's where they are found. And in this day and age, which is very tolerant, very pluralistic, I am anathema for saying this. But it's scriptural. And we, as the emissaries from the church, we go, as it were, and we rescue them, prisoners of war, and bring them to here. What a job description we have. But does this give you a job description? Oh, we're all nice people hanging out together, and we don't know which kingdom is which, and we're uh, kind of tangential. This is inclusivistic garbage. This is what is being produced by Common Ground. It was also reproduced by Rebecca Lewis in the International Journal of Frontier Missiology. It was also reproduced at another conference. These are all in my art. The different citations are in the article. The assumption is that Islam is either a precursor to or it shares common values with Christianity. With the king, okay, the, sorry, with the kingdom of God. But you see the confusion here between, right, do you see the confusion? There, there is no distinction here between the eternal reign of God and the mediatorial reign of Christ. You can say, technically speaking, that Islam is in the eternal reign of God. It's right here. But it is outside of the mediatorial kingdom of Christ. We have to be clear on our terms. It is in the kingdom of darkness. It is in the eternal kingdom of God, but not in the mediatorial kingdom of Christ. Can you elaborate mediatorial means that Jesus was confided the kingdom, the kingship, his rulership, because he is the new uh, representative of God on earth. Adam was given the task to be God's vicegerent or vice-regent, that is to rule on his behalf on earth. Adam and Eve blew it. And so we needed a new vicegerent, a new vice-regent, who would be the perfect representative of God on earth to rule on his behalf. And that was Jesus. And so now he serves as the mediator, the go-between between God and man. 
Thank you. Whoops. And this is where it's going. The kingdom of the world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That is to say, if we go back, the yellow eclipses the black completely, and this is the view of where it's going. And he shall reign forever and ever. And God's people said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where it's going. A place, incidentally, and this is what scares me so much about the insider movement. According to Revelation 21-25, there is no temple there. There are no tears there. There's no death there. There's no pain there. But it also says there's something outside of the walls of the New Jerusalem. And it's called a vice list. And a vice list was a shopping list of bad things. And normally when we read this vice list, we say, oh, those are those scum of the earth people. Glad I'm not one of those. The first two people in the vice list, the cowardly and the faithless. The cowardly and the faithless, according to no less than 10 scholars, 10 commentators, are those who are found in the churches of Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 who are fooling around with the Roman Empire. The cowardly and the faithless. Their destination is the lake of fire. And if my missiology and if my practices predispose anyone towards cowardliness, that is a fear of man more than a fear of God, or mixed loyalties and sends them to the lake of fire, woe be to me if my methods and my missiology predispose people that way. That is chilling, my brothers and sisters. Chilling. They are in the lake of fire and they are church members. That's chilling. And I say, God, help me from developing cowards and faithless people. And there's no curse there. This morning we talked about the harem, the ban. And it says in Revelation 22, and there is no harem there. There is nothing more that is needed to be consecrated to destruction because it has been destroyed. And if we're logical, then those other religions that were in the Old Testament no longer exist because harem no longer exists. So what does that say then about those who would cozy up to Islam thinking that it will exist perpetually? It's not going to be there. It's just not. The harem is gone. And here we have this picture a bride dressed for her husband with diamonds as her necklace, building stones, five million kilometers squared. This is our inheritance. Do our new believers know this? About this inheritance that's theirs? They need to. Maybe we're cheating them sometimes about not directing them 
heavenwardly enough. That's also an indictment about us. We can be too earthly occupied, frankly, about our great plans. The Lord did a work in me after one home service. A little diminutive Japanese lady in a prayer group came to us and she said, the Lord wants me to give you a message, John Span. I said, yeah. And he, she said, the Lord wants to tell you to quit ministering in your own strength and stealing his glory. And my brothers and sisters, the question that we have to keep asking ourselves, because I'm always reminded of the fact that the church of Ephesus was great at casting out false apostles, but was chastised for losing its first love. And we can have a meeting here of like minds who are great at chastising the false apostles. But brothers and sisters, if we lose our first love, we're going to get a smack. And the Lord said, don't steal my glory. Because the question always comes down to, by whose power and for whose glory? And ask yourself about your missiology. By whose power and for whose glory? And because we, according to John Calvin, are perpetual idol factories, we love to get glory. It's our bent. It's our bent. And may God crucify that in us. Because I believe that way, we will be effective ambassadors for the King of Kings who deserves all praise. Thank you.